Hi, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Anthony. And this is The Last Day Old Supper. Okay. And we just watched episode seven. Uh, are we going to argue on the title? Uh, the Most Powerful Man in the World. Yeah. Uh, we had a whole. F- we were having a whole fight before this episode started about whether or not titles spoil an episode, if they're a spoiler of some kind. I feel that they're not because they are there, they're placed there entitled by the production that did the television show. So they may be a teaser to a certain extent, but don't really spoil anything. And I don't think that title spoiled anything because the the twin brother of God that we talked about had never been insinuated to be Kevin's twin brother. Right, but I mean... It looks like, because on Wikipedia, uh, the episode was titled The Most Powerful Man in the World and His Identical Twin Brother. Mm-hmm. But it seems like when it aired through HBO's app, it just called it The Most Powerful Man in the World. Which, I think if it was just called that originally, like if I if I didn't see the twin brother part, yeah. then we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I thought that that part... And, you know, people have very different opinions on spoilers. I know mine is very erratic. Um, But I think that that part itself was a spoiler. Okay. Even though, and this is, you know, the calling him the most powerful man in the world was a giant, quote-unquote, secret from episode two. But but neither way. We we have so much to cover. We're not going to dwell on a title. Um... All right, I did take some notes um, only in the beginning because then it got so intense that uh, so they went back to the original song. They did, which I was very pleased to see. Uh, I love Max Richter and what he contributes to this show, uh, and I loved the opening sequence of season one. It was so epic and uh, it really called upon a lot of religious concepts that have been rolling around in this show for a really long time. And I think finally in this episode, the show declared where it stands on a lot of different things. There are not as many mysteries anymore. We're not gonna let the mysteries be. I have a lot of friends I've mentioned who are very religious and watch this show and think this show is promoting religion, uh, promoting faith. And I know a lot of atheists who watch this show and feel like this show uh, is discrediting the faithful. And we've seen many motifs throughout the season talking about uh, the danger of uncertain or the danger of certainty uh, in the hands of the faithful. And we kind of really get to the climax of that here, where we see an alternate world where Kevin Garvey is the President of the United States and got to that position by being a member of the Guilty Remnant. Right. Now, there is a a little bit that happens before uh, Kevin gets back to that world. Um, After the opening song, they they do have a scene of Kevin and Nora in the tub talking about what they want to do with their bodies, buried or cremated. (laughs) And Nora suggests that She's going to put a beard on him. Yeah. And then we figure out how he gets the beard. Yeah, because he cutely interpreted that. At, well, I mean, Nora, everyone who watches this show knows how dark Nora can get. She was talking about 
your dead stuffed body better have a beard if I have to sleep with it. Yeah. And instead of him going, you're going to have sex with my stuffed corpse, he said, oh, you want a beard? You want? You think I look cute with a beard? And that's how Kevin Garvey got a beard. Right. And, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in the alternate world, which I have a lot of feelings about, um, there's a bearded Kevin and a non-bearded Kevin, which to me makes me feel that the bearded Kevin is almost Nora's Kevin, like the effect that Nora had on him. Mm. So that's the Kevin, the, the current Kevin. The Kevin that was affected by Nora. Right, and the previous one is Kevin's prior convictions before, I'm not saying before the conversation, but I'm saying before he met Nora. We don't even know when that conversation took place, just obviously before they had a giant fight. Um, so after she talks about going... Uh, wanting to grow the beard, one of the best transitions in the show to date. Uh, she playfully pulls his head under the water, and then we cut to Kevin trying to drown himself in the lake using the seesaw because everybody else is still passed out from what Lowry did. Yeah, from Lori's uh, drugged stew. Uh, so we cut to that scene, um, and he's trying to dr- drown himself. Dad wakes up and is like, don't do this. And it really starts to show how much what Kevin's doing has nothing to do with Kevin uh, in the eyes of the people who are requesting him to do it. Because his dad didn't really care. Like, his his dad didn't, didn't really care about what was going to happen to his son, or that's not what he was saying, but he wanted them all to do it together. His dad is concerned about his own involvement in Kevin's supernatural abilities. And so he pulls him out of the water and then they have a small discussion about the arrangements that they've all made. He needs to talk to Evie. needs to talk to... Yeah, kind of a recap of what are you going to do when you get there. Right. Uh, and then he's just like, okay, if you want me to do that, then put me back in the fucking water. Because, yeah, cause, you know, as you mentioned in the episode before, not only was he not scared, but he was looking forward to it. So, once Dad was cool with, you know, him re- re- repeating his task back to his father, like you know, almost like, do you have the grocery list? What are you picking up? And then dunked him back in, and you knew right away that it was going to be the same world as the end of season two because that music hit. I actually thought he was going to die, so I I didn't oh. think Kevin had an ability to go back to that place um, if he wasn't in Miracle. So I felt like that's where the show was going, and I thought Kevin was going to drown and die. So when we see him wash up on this shore and continue his life as an assassin, I was actually very surprised. And so he's on the shore, and of course Dean shows up, and I had a feeling that we were going to see Dean again before the end. Uh, did you feel the same way? I did. Um, one thing that I, I have a lot of convictions about the dream world, um, there's a large part of me that feels that none of it is in fact real. And it's because he quote unquote dies. And, you know, you can be dead for hours medically. Um, but I was going to say that he never brings anything back to prove that he talked to anybody. 
Um, but it seems like the only thing that would dispute that was he remembered talking to his father through the television the first time he did it, and then when it, we see his dad's story, we see in fact that you know he was he was with the indigenous people and he was drugged out of his mind, and that's the only thing that was proven. Um, because when he does come back, everything he says to them, nothing proves anything. Like yeah. when he talks to the kids and goes. Oh, they didn't have shoes. They didn't know why. Oh, I talked to Evie. I told her what you said. A, a big part of me thinks that that other world... Well, first off, I'm sorry I'm a little rambly, but the other world has nothing to do with the departure. Yeah, the other world has almost nothing to do with the departure except the fact that in this version, the guilty remnant is there. Um, but it doesn't have to do anything with the departure, I don't think he's communicated with anyone who's departed. Right, that's what I was going to say. Every single person that's there is confirmed dead in quote-unquote the real world, the guts of the show. Yeah, but let's talk a little bit about all the dead people we see in the dream world. And the dream world is more dream than world. Mm -hmm. It behaves a lot like a dream. There's a lot of dream psychology happening in place here. If you've read Psychological Theory by Carl Jung or by Sigmund Freud, we know that there are multiple selves, the id, the ego, and the superego, and it would be interesting to have a conversation about which two of those are in play when the identical twin Kevins are in the same dream. Um, but they're, they're, it's definitely a dream world, it's incoherent, it's incohesive, uh, very much uh, makes one think of uh, the film Inception. You don't know how you got there, and you don't know where the kick is. So that's the dream world. In this dream world, we see a lot of people. We see Sheriff Kevin, who was the Australian Kevin that they killed on accident. Right. He's the president's uh, security. Yeah, security. He's part of the Secret Service. Yeah, he's part yeah. of the Secret Service. He's 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 the security. Um, we see the kids that died. Evie. Uh, we see Evie. Um, Christopher Sunday. We see Christopher Sunday. We see... Dean, you already mentioned. Dean. We see Patty. Uh, we see Meg yeah. from The Guilty Remnant. So we see a lot of people that we expect to be dead. Uh, we see a lot of... We, we don't see people that we think are dead, maybe. Like Nora and Lori. Right. They never come up in this world and I kind of expected them to so that really suggests to me that we may not have seen them for the last time and their their current location is unknown right well we, we might have seen Lori for the last time I just feel that that was a jump ahead based on time of day and when when she went into the water because it was also after the rain oh that's true we did talk about this because when she looks down at her phone last episode, right. technically it's four o'clock in the afternoon, the day after the departure, right? Yeah, it um, on her phone it shows four twenty-six, um, and in Australia it's twelve hours ahead of New York, so that would be thirteen hours ahead of Texas. Right. So if it's four twenty-six p.m. for them, it should have been when it, her daughter called three twenty-six a.m. in Texas. Right. And was she was not talking after. to her mother as if it was that time of day or the day after. So 
that might just be something that I'm getting a little obsessive on time. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be addressed. Lori may not have been dead when he was in the water. Right. So I guess that's a good point to make. Um, but Nora could have very well uh, been there, and, and we didn't see her. Well, I think that, you know, being that there's one more episode, I think that we're going to get a lot of information about Nora in the last one. Um, but one thing I did want to point out for both times that he went into the dream world, um, the first time he saw his father through a reflective surface, which was a television. That's true. And his dad was tripping balls with the indigenous people, and that's how he got there. So he, I, I know I'm kind of hung up on this medically dead thing, but he could have been in a situation like that. But since he was the only one in this particular time of going to that world, the reflective image was him battling himself, where he had to come to terms with himself. He had to be with himself in the same room. Um, the, the guilty remnant presidency thing is really intense that they made people realize to the world. I mean, in that speech that he showed up for, because, you know, it wasn't technically him uh, who felt that way, it was abolishing marriage and just abolishing fully... Abolishing family. Yeah, just fully making guilty remnant rule of the land. Yeah. At least in America. All right, so in the dream world, uh, we do have Kevin as the president of the guilty remnant. Um, and... Again, like we were saying a minute ago, the only people in that world are passed away. His um, Secretary of Defense was Patty Levin, which she mentioned that she was retired and uh, took her out, which is confusing only because the last time he was in the dream world, he killed her. Right. She's, she's dead. So what seems to be happening is that real Kevin can go into the dream world to resolve and process things that have happened to him that he can't process in the real world. So what happened last time was he could not process that he killed Patty Levin in the real world. And somehow killing Patty Levin in the dream world is what resolved that for him psychologically. Right. And I think him going back and ultimately killing himself in the dream world also helps him resolve a part of himself that we can get into in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the part of that 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 was confusing for me was that killing Patty in the dream world was a huge part of helping him continue with who he was, and then when he steps back in, she's there again. I, I think they, you know. The dream world stays the dream world, and you can't kill what's already dead. Mm-hmm. So, Patty Levin will always exist in the dream world if Kevin can go back to it. I don't think he can at this point, and we can have a discussion later about what Kevin may or may not be capable of after what's happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think to a certain extent, the dream world is a place Kevin goes to to psychologically resolve certain things and maybe cosmically also resolve certain things since Kevin definitely seems to be supernatural to some degree. Yeah, and the and um, there's the two modes of Kevin. There's the President Kevin and the Assassin Kevin, which in the other one he was only Assassin Kevin the first time. Um, but the person leading the charge is the one who told him to sing to get out the first time. 
Right, I didn't even realize that until this episode. I didn't even know the guy who played God in that episode was from that previous assassin episode. Yeah, I didn't put that together either. season two. I totally didn't realize that. I honestly didn't put that together until the jab about um, um, when she said she believed in God. Oh. When Meg said she believed in God. And then he said, tell her I said hi. It took me that long in this episode to realize that he was the guy who was quote-unquote God on the boat. Oh, no. I figured that out when he put the earpiece in and was talking about making Kevin sing that Simon and Garfunkel song back at the hotel in uh, his previous, um, what, I, what I'm going to call like an upside down dream. Right. So. Well, I realized once he said, I made you sing, that it was the singer, but I didn't realize that the singer and the God on the boat were the same person. That's, oh. that's what I didn't get until, until Meg, which very weird that, Meg was religious in this dream world. Well, she's not religious in this dream world. She's in love with the man who calls himself God. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he even says like, while, while he, while Kevin shoots her and he's taking out the earpiece, he was like, "Why'd you do that? It was just a fucking pickup line." And you realize that himself calling himself God is frivolous. And now we're kind of getting into. The whole point mm-hmm. of of this episode, which was the mission statements for the show, The Leftovers. Um, there's a point where Patty is talking to the nuclear football mm-hmm. and is saying, you know, to to uh, to assassin Kevin, to identical twin Kevin, uh, if there is a god. Uh, may God rest your soul, which, which there, there isn't. Not, yeah. And I kind of felt like that was the show saying, yeah, this show's for atheists. Um, I think a lot of people could turn that and be like, oh, but she's part of the Guilty Remnant, which is an unreliable narrator. We don't give credit to the, to the Guilty Remnant. But this show is all about the Guilty Remnant, and that's why Kevin is president through the Guilty Remnant. Because this show is all about not being able to let go when you lose something. Right. Whatever losing that thing may be. And so Kevin has to go to the other side and he's asked by Christopher Sunday why he's even there if he doesn't believe that his dad can stop the flood using some song. And then we realize that it's all about Kevin and that what his crazy dad thinks doesn't matter. Yeah, he just used it as an excuse to not seem like he wants to kill himself or he wants to visit that world. Right. Oh, Dad wants me to do it. I'm doing this for you guys. Yeah, exactly. I think Kevin wants to kill himself in the real world, but can't. And so he did in the fake world. And he needs to kill himself because he can't let go of something. And... Part of that right now, for sure, is Nora. He can't let go of Nora, even though he wants to. And he doesn't want to be alone, even though he thinks he should. And a song plays when he goes to kill himself. And it's God Only Knows Where I'd Be Without You. We're going to go on a little tangent now. Once upon a time, I was a teenager. And I had a boyfriend who called himself Josh 
though that wasn't his real name. And Josh's favorite song to play to me was God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. And he said it was a song that for him embodied how he felt about me. Oh, wow. And at this time in my life, I was 15. I think he was 17. We were very young. And the world was going to take us in a lot of different directions. Um, And so, of course, we broke up at some point, and I was very heartbroken as a teenager. He was my first love, and it was very hard to get over him. And a part of me had to die. An innocence in me had to die in order to move on after losing Josh. And then after that, my mother died. And there aren't a lot of people I know who know me from back then, um, like maybe a few family members, a handful of friends who know me from my youth before my mother passed away. Those people would definitely tell you that I'm different than I was then. And I think a part of me had to die in order to get over losing my mother. And so I think that is the crux of this show. I think that is why Kevin had to kill himself. It is about the metaphor of what you lose when you lose somebody else. So do you think that Kevin killing himself in the dream world will help him cope and want to still stick around in the the actual world? Kevin has a blank slate now. And... I feel that in the final moments of this episode. He goes up to the roof with his dad. His dad is still searching for meaning. Mm-hmm. His dad doesn't understand what's happened. But Kevin does. And Kevin knows that it's all over, I think. And his dad asks him, what now? And it's kind of whatever. Whatever can happen now. Yeah, it's probably something, you know, definitely me and I'm sure a lot of fans were... We're wondering, because that's not how they ended the show. There's more. There's more of the show, but I think Kevin's divinity Hmm. is no longer... A focal point? Is no longer a focal point, and it may no longer be present. I think Kevin killed himself. He killed the part of himself that has been playing with the divine world, if he ever was divine. And there are a lot of questions about that. Like you said, someone can be medically dead for hours coming back from the dead is not a magic trick. Mm -hmm. It can be as simple as science. So we'll never truly know if Kevin was divine. But Kevin's done with that question. Yeah. And Kevin's done with the question of the departure. I think it's time for everyone who lost someone in the departure to accept that they lost them. There's a point where Nora says, I didn't lose my family. They're just gone. Does it really matter? And isn't it at that point semantics? You don't have them anymore. And you can't ever again. So why should you waste any more of your time hoping that they'll come back or that you can make sense of why you lost them? Because the present belongs to the living and everything else belongs to the dead. I think the reason that that was, um, that's it's one of those things that's brought up by Nora and by people who have lost people um, through the departed is when you lose someone or, you know, yeah, when you lose someone, you either lose them from your life and you know where they are or you don't, or they pass away. 
um, and based on the numbers of people that departed and just the way people are handling that amount of people, they don't feel like they lost someone. They just feel like they, that they're not there, which I know kind of sounds similar, but I think that they, the, the, since it was so many people and it wasn't just, you know, a hundred people, it was 2% of the world. There are many people who just want answers and, that entire group that Nora was, you know, last we see Nora, she's showing up to them, possibly guns a-blazing, saying, take me to my family. She represents a lot of people who just can't accept the fact that they're just gone, that they don't feel that they lost them, that they feel there's more to it and there's more answers. They're the type of people that would watch a movie or a show that doesn't answer every question and is not okay with that, much like the people who to this day, give Damon a hard time for Lost, saying, but what about this? You didn't cover this. Yeah, exactly. There's a topic that I circle back to a lot when I think about the uncertainty related to death. And when we think about large tragedies, the tragedy that happened on September 11th, 2001, comes to mind. It's a recent event. Mm -hmm. A lot of people died. But not everybody died the same way, or did they? If you look back on the news coverage that day, it was hard to avoid the silhouettes and the shadows of people who jumped from the windows, people who knew the end was coming and chose to take the end into their own hands. Because the people who died in the towers died what one, what one, one might argue a far more gruesome death. And so... There are a lot of people who don't want to acknowledge that their family member who died in the towers may have been a jumper. So at the end of the day, when it was time to count the dead after the September 11th attacks, I believe everyone who died on, on that site had, a, had their cause of death uh, listed as death by impact, I believe was, was yeah. how that was, was listed. Um, and so... In one sense, it, it mattered. I guess people want to know what those final moments were like for the one that they loved so dearly. And I understand that entirely. And yet, on another hand, does it really matter? They're gone. And it happened horribly. And that's what happened to the people who departed. We don't know where they are or why it happened. But their life on Earth is over. And... At some point, we have to stop looking for symbolism in that and stop looking for the end of the story. The inclusion of mirrors in the dream world is so perfect for this reason because when you look into a mirror, you can see two things. You can see what is or you can see what you want to see. And for a lot of people, they see what they want to see. But for the departure... There comes a time when you can't anymore. We're on the seventh anniversary, and the flood that was promised turned out to just be a thunderstorm. Well, I mean, it, and, and it wasn't even actually promised. It was just that, that, that whole seven-year thing was guided just by religious affirmations anyway. But, but jumping back just real quick to what you said about 9-11, I think that was a great point because much like 9-11 and the departure, there are doubters. There are people that feel that it's a conspiracy, that the government was involved, and whether you think it is or isn't is irrelevant. Just the fact that there are different p 
opinions on it. Much like, oh, they're lost, move on, and no, where did they go? And then in Nora's case, these people say they can take me there. So it's it's another angle on it, and it could end up just being them getting money and killing people in secrecy who signed off on it, saying it's okay to die, and it could just be some really terrible scammers, or for all, I mean, we don't know if that if that scene of Nora in the first episode meant anything. We still have one more episode to find out. Um, where they called her Sarah and she mentioned she didn't know a Kevin. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it will be answered. Um, but that's still something to think about with one more episode. Yeah. There are still some questions to be answered. There are still some feelings that we want to know. We want to know how people feel after the seventh day of the departure. A few years ago, there was some guy who kept promising that the rapture would happen in 2012. And there were a lot of people who believed him. There were, like, yeah. doomsday preppers who had, They've like, made movies about it. Oh, yeah. Like, it was a big deal. It's 2017. And we're all still alive. Yeah. If we're lucky. <laughs> and they addressed that very well in um, the one episode where they showed the past with the people on the roof. And the priest just kept writing a new date down. And the first two times the husband was on board, and then three, four, he was like, no, this is absurd. And, you know, less and less people believe it's the whole cry wolf thing. If you keep going, oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. And, you know, whether you're religious or not, there are a lot of people who will read religious uh, implications and say that, oh, according to this, it's going to be this. And then when it doesn't happen, like the 2012 stuff and other situations... They find another passage and say, oh, but this meant that it actually means this. And, you know, you could you could argue that it was just a misinterpretation the first time or if you're just being misled all over the place. Yeah. So I don't know if we really have any questions to answer. I am surprised that Kevin Garvey isn't dead. Um, I think we definitely saw a lot of really emotional metaphors and symbols this episode about how Kevin Garvey feels about his life and then we also ended on the song The End of the World uh, which might be the mission statement Mm -hmm. where the song sort of points to a lot of things why does my heart keep beating? why do the birds sing? don't they know that it's the end of the world because I can't live without you? and that's what this show has always been really about. It's about grief. It's about Except- finding a purpose to live. Acceptance. When you, yeah, it's about accepting. It's about finding a reason to live when the reason that you were living is gone. Yeah, it's definitely about personal motivators and just keeping everything together. Um, not, not saying I don't want to see another episode, but the way, a lot of the stuff was was kind of addressed in this episode? This could have been a finale. If this was a finale, I would have been satisfied with it. I enjoy that there's going to be another episode that can perhaps put a ribbon on on everything and wrap everything up uh, to the best of its knowledge. I'm a little disappointed that Dean did not mention 
the dogs that were in the There's, highest. There level. should have been at least one dog there should have in been. the dream world. I was searching. There actually was a point that I thought I saw an orange dog. Yeah. And I'm but I'm not a hundred percent. I deeply needed there to be a dog in this bunker. Yeah. I wanted there to be a dog. But I also get a little off not wanting to throw that that comical wrench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted one in the background, not even addressed like you would say in the bunker. Yeah. Um, it, only, it could have been like a, like a trained like yeah. canine. Like that's all it would have to be. Yeah, we wouldn't need it wearing a suit. And right, it doesn't need to wear executive a suit. orders or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will rewatch this episode before next week, only because of how much hap- that happened. But there is a part of me that's going to be rewatching it just to see if there's any dogs in Dream World. <laughs> even if it's just one hidden in the background, I'm going to where's Waldo those scenes. If <laughs> there might even just be one in like a white suit at the presidential address with the guilty remnant, maybe there's a dog back there. We don't know. Yeah. But we only have one more episode, and um, I get you know, especially since one more episode show forever, uh, a prediction that I'm going to make. And it's very loose, but um, I feel that questions will be answered, not all of them, and I feel like they will bring up some brand new questions, and then just let them sit there. And it's going to bother some people, and I think that's just the way they do. This show has always been more about questions. I hope there are more questions. Um, I hope we see Nora again. I hope he gets the girl. Uh, I thought he was going to die, so if he's not going to die, I want him to have a happy ending. So, I hope him and Nora reach a resolution. I don't know what that resolution might be. I'm not sure if they will. Part of me thinks that they're not even going to see each other in this last episode. Yeah, it could be very easy for that to happen. I'm just telling you what my hopes are. Oh, no, I understand. I You know, it would be I, it would be great. I just... I'm not, I'm not sold on it definitely happening, but we'll find out in just a mere week, um, and so will you, and then we'll be rounding out this podcast. I know. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been really good. If you're great. listening to this, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate yeah, you. Thank you. We're, we're sure to do something in the future. Um, we're, we're still trying to hammer that out, but either way... If I could just get this asshole to watch Game of Thrones, we'd be so on board. Oh, that show. <laughs> we just lost five listeners. And... Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right.